Welcome to Forest Health 101, where we discuss everything Forest Health. I'm your host, Damian, and today we're discussing Elm Zigzag Softfly, a recently established invasive species with Dr. Kelly Oden. Kelly is an assistant professor with North Carolina State University with focus on forest health and extension. So let's get right into it. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, and thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me, Damian. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been hot in Texas, but going well. <laughs> um, it's hot here in North Carolina too, but not that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking today about uh, a recent paper on the Elm Zigzag Softfly that you guys put out a, a few months ago. Um, but before we get into that, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you've been with uh, NC State for a while now, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I came into the world of forest health through insects. I grew up loving insects, so it was very natural for me to study them through college. Um, and then I fell in love with the, the, the world of forest entomology just because I love, you know, hiking, trees. I spent some time in the ag fields in central Texas. I was like, this is not for me. So <laughs> I veered where there was shade. Um, and I got my PhD working on the hemlock woolly adelgid at NC State University. And then I worked for the North Carolina Forest Service for about eight years. So I worked directly with landowners, with stakeholders. Um, we did a lot of survey and monitoring for these invasive insects that come in, but also helping landowners manage insects that might impact their forest land. Um, so I did that for eight years. And then in 2020, so three years ago, I joined faculty at NC State University. And here I have an extension and research program going. I have several students. I'm working on very different insects. I've got Asian longhorn beetle, emerald ash borer, spotted lanternfly, and then, of course, elm zigzag sawfly, which is what we will be talking about today. That's awesome. Yeah, good to hear that. Um, so I've, I've heard about these sawflies before. I've seen some of these species um, kind of like being doing a little bit of damage, like in places like Florida or the southeast, particularly in pine trees. Like, you know, the, the pine sawflies is, is pretty widespread and unknown. And, and uh, so this is kind of like a similar, similar species, similar insect. Um, where this thing is from? Uh, I understand it's like an like invasive species. So where is this thing from? Yeah, so it's native to Asia, specifically parts of China and Japan. But the interesting thing about this insect is in 2003, it was found in Europe for the first time and it spread across that continent very quickly. So we actually don't know which population of Elm zigzag sawfly was introduced to North America, um, but it is native to Asia and has a very large, expansive, invasive population in Europe where it's already caused a lot of problems. As far as how it got here, we're not entirely sure. With a lot of insects, especially like our wood boring invasive insects, we suspect wood packing material, right? They can hide inside. We use wood material to ship a lot of products. Well, this is not a wood borer. Um, the adults are strong flyers, but they can't fly across an ocean. So very likely they arrived as a hitchhiker of some sort, whether it was a larva on a plant that was moved or a cocoon, um, the pupal stage in the soil um, of a plant, or even as a hitchhiker, if the cocoon attached itself um, to something other than the tree or soil. So, okay, so it's been in Europe for almost like 20 years now, uh, but here in the US, uh, I know it's been reported for a few states uh, so far. Where is it actually located? So in North Carolina, we're the southernmost location. It's also been detected in Virginia. They're actually the first state to detect it. 
Um, and we've also found it in Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, um, and Ohio is the most recent detection. Oh, okay. So basically different states, kind of like in the eastern, northeastern uh, United States, you think it can like keep moving south or any idea about that? Yeah, I mean, probably we suspect it can because it's getting around very easily and it's kind of having a weird infestation pattern. Um, it's instead of having like a ground zero and it keeps spreading from there, like we often see with a lot of invasive insects, it seems to be popping up here and there. It's almost like where people look harder, they're seeming seemingly finding it. So it's kind of interesting um, as far as where it is and where it could be, and we just don't know yet. And time will tell as we get more and more people interested in this insect and looking for it where it actually is. But as of right now, um, basically as far west as Ohio, as far south as North Carolina. Do you think it's like one of the things that, you know, when people look for it, they're actually going to find it? Or this is more how it's spreading on this person? Uh, because this is from the counties that have been reported, it doesn't seem to be natural spread, right? Like, how do you think this thing might be moving around? It's hard to tell, you know, similar how it got here in the first place, um, very easy for it to hitchhike on items. Um, you know, as a cocoon, it usually attaches itself to leaves or twigs. So if there's L material being moved around um, for plantings, for, um, you know, research, there is a big research program looking at uh, Dutch elm disease resistance in elm trees. Um, so maybe stocks of that that are going around. Um, but, you know, in North Carolina, we saw for the first time um, the cocoon attached itself to something other than the tree. So we saw a cocoon attached to a fence post. And we don't have evidence that it can actually move around this way, but it does suggest that if it were to attach to a car or some outdoor equipment that is moved long distances, that that is a human method of dispersal and very long-range dispersal if possible. Yeah, and that's that's been tricky for a lot of species already. Yeah. You know, spotted lanternfly, emerald ashbord, like, keeps spreading like that, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, you mentioned that this thing goes to elms. Is that every elm species that we have in North America or specifically there's any like preference or something? So we've seen it on a lot of different elm species so far. There seems to be potentially a preference for Siberian elm. That okay. is a tree that is actually native to Asia, native to the native range of this insect. We have not seen it on Siberian elm in North Carolina, but that's where it seems to prefer in Virginia and even in other, other states as well, where they'll actually see um, elm zigzag sawfly on Siberian elm in a parking lot area, um, and it's much heavier populations than on the American or winged elm that are in the adjacent forest land. So is there a preference? Possibly. We just don't know enough about that right now. Yeah, it's good to know. Uh, we have some, well, we have a lot of Siberian elm like out west here, so um, definitely good to keep an eye on that. Yeah, it's a very similar situation with spotted lanternfly, right? We get the invasive insect, and then there's a non-native tree that's escaping into our wild forest, and it's just helping that non-native insect succeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and how do you recognize uh, the thing? Uh, what are the signs of attack? Uh, I, I understand there's like a specific pattern or how it defoliates. Um, elm leaves. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. It's actually linked to the common name of the insect, elm zigzag sawfly. The defoliation pattern is very cool. It's very eye-catching. I remember first learning about this insect because the I just thought the pattern it made was so cool. So it actually makes a zigzag pattern 
from the edge of the leaf towards the mid vein. The larva will feed in a zigzag pattern back and forth. As it gets bigger, it likely consumes more leaf material. So it might, you know, eat the rest of yeah. the foliage. It kind of just, you know, kind of like a lawnmower, the rest of the leaf away. Um, but in those early stages, it makes a very distinct zigzag pattern. There is one other sawfly that we have um, here in the U.S. that does make a zigzag pattern. It's closely related, um, but it feeds on prunus species, so cherry okay. trees and things like that. So not something not that an would elm. occur on elm. Exactly. Oh, okay. So is this, uh, has this been found like outside of elm trees as well or very specific to elms? Naturally occurring, we have only seen it on elm. Um, we've started doing some alternate host trials, though, um, especially since there's concern about related plants. One is Zelkova. Um, even though it's a non-native tree, it's in the elm family, and it is widely planted as an urban planting no. um, you know, across the southeast, right? I know it's one of the top 10 species in the town that I live in. Um, so there's concern for that, and we've brought some Zelkova leaves um, into a rearing chamber, and they actually did feed on it. Um, we don't know if they can complete their life cycle on it, and we don't know if they would prefer to feed on it if they were actually given the choice in nature. So um, to be determined right now, what's actually occurring out there is just elm trees. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, and it's also interesting, you know, like what is kind of like the impact that the thing is doing? Because um, we've seen other pests, invasive pests of elm trees, such as, you know, that challenge disease that was... Uh, absolutely devastating for elm populations across the state. What What is the impact that we've seen in the few counties that this thing has been uh, reported? Well, the short-term impacts right now seem to be mostly aesthetic, um, meaning, you know, these are yard trees, and we had over 90% defoliation of some of these trees last summer. Okay. So it was very impactful. Um, but as far as the tree's health, the long-term health, usually trees can recover after a defoliation event. And that's what we saw with those trees that were very heavily defoliated. They did leaf out this spring. They look, you know, good again this summer. Um, however, they're getting hit again with elm zigzag sawfly. So if it happens year after year after year, then that's when we need to be concerned with long-term health impacts. Um, but for right now, we suspect that it won't be a tree killer. It will really just be something that homeowners are going to have to deal with when their beautiful large elm tree in their front yard gets completely defoliated in August. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like those defoliators that, you know, come after the tree a couple times a year. And then, you know, after a few years of that, it can, you know, be make the tree susceptible to multiple other things. So something to yeah. basically keep an eye on it and monitor every year in the regions where it's being reported. That would be the idea. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Especially we do have other things that impact elm. Like you already mentioned Dutch elm disease, but the larger elm leaf beetle is actually having a really good year this year. We're seeing a lot of trees um, hit by it, so much so where people are like, oh my gosh, is this elm zigzag sawfly? And then you look closer and it's like, wow, larger elm leaf beetle is just having a very successful year. Have you guys seen it like in, you know, nursery stock or, you know, seedlings and stuff like that? Is the thing that this uh, soft light could be kind of like a problem in, you know, early planted elms and stuff like that. Because I imagine, you know, if you have a large tree, yeah, it causes some stress and it could be monitored and managed uh, year after year. But when you, you know, basically plant a tree and this being defoliated time after time, it's probably going to kill it. So have you seen that kind of impact yet or? I mean, we're only a year in in North Carolina, but okay. as far as are they attacking those trees? Yes. 
Um, we are seeing them attack seedlings. We are seeing them attack saplings. Um, we are seeing them attack nursery stock mm. um, and landscape planting. So, like, when you think about elm and, like, trees being able to recover after a defoliation event, those are healthy trees that you're referring to. So, the, if these are yeah. young trees, if they're not established, if they're newly planted, the risk is a lot higher that they may not be able to handle an entire defoliation event. Yeah. And do, do we have any information about the life cycle? I know, like, this thing has been recently established, so I imagine there's a lot of projects looking at this right now, but do we have an idea of, you know, number of generations per year and things like that? Yeah, so, you know, this is a type of wasp, even though it's called a sawfly, so it does go through the four stages of a life cycle. So it has the egg stage, the larval stage, the cocoon stage, and then the adult. Um, they can actually go through one whole generation pretty quickly. Um, the okay. research that came out of Europe at, as quick as 20 days. Um, so it can happen very quickly, but um, the generations, how many generations we see per year are honestly all over the place. Like it's not one set um, number. In Virginia in recent years, they've said they've had one generation in one year, two in another year. Right now in North Carolina, we've had three generations. It varies wildly. It's not something that will likely be a, we have this many generations a year and that will always be the case. Even now, our populations, you know, compared with this time last year, are so much different than what we saw when we first observed it. So we don't know what is impacting these generations, but it can happen pretty quickly. Is that similar to what's going on in, in Europe? And I imagine as you go south, it's going to like increase number of generations unless it gets too hot probably at some point. Yeah, yeah. In Europe, what they've observed in the field is two to four generations. So they even put a range on it, and it's not the same year to year. Yeah, and, and you know, we already touched a little bit about this um, in terms of, like, how it's spreading. But I guess at some point, landowners are going to need some sort of, like, IPM uh, or integrated pest management kind of, like, tools to deal with this. Uh, do we have an idea of how to manage this for now or... Or something that you're like looking into? We are looking into it. We are in the early stages of looking at management options, specifically for homeowners who want to protect their trees and protect that aesthetic value, get that shade. Yeah. Um, don't have to have a patio with, you know, caterpillars or larvae falling on them, perhaps what we call poop falling on them, things like that. Um, so pesticides show to be pretty promising right now. This We're just in the early stages of doing trials for that. Um, we're also looking at um, natural enemies, what natural okay. enemies might play a role and whether or not we could augment what natural enemies we have. There are some field observations um, in Virginia, for example, where when they see ladybug presence uh, very high, they see much lower populations of Elm's exact sawfly. So will that okay. play a role? Time will tell, but it does look like we will have at least some short-term options for homeowners very soon. Is that something that you would uh, apply preventively or it's something more kind of like you need to monitor for this uh, signs of attack and then kind of like make an application or how would that, that, how would that work? Um, we suspect that if people know that they have Elm zigzag softline in the area, maybe their tree was defoliated the year before, that they mm -hmm. might do it preemptively because these things emerge in the spring. Um, so you'd want that chemical already in the tree by the time the larvae start feeding on it. So probably a spring application. Um, we suspect that it could get in the tree and then hopefully manage those, those populations for the entire season. Um, but right now, too early to tell. So, so most of the damage, you will say, like, it actually happens in the spring, kind of like those early stages of the larvae. 
So we see a lot of damage in the spring. Um, what we do see happen is when, as the populations build um, and we have more and more generations, the defoliation is actually more visible in the late summer. Gotcha. And that's because by that time, you've had three generations of elm zigzag sawfly oh, okay. feeding on that same tree. So it's not necessarily that we see more damage or as much as it's more cumulative and it's more visible in the fall. So it's kind of like more like one single tree that is being hit, uh, not more like a like a pocket of trees being affected. How does that, like in terms of like spatial uh, distribution, it's more like individual trees that you see here and there, or is kind of like pockets of trees that are being defoliated? When, when we've been seeing it in the field, we'll see, you know, if there's one elm tree, um, that one tree may be impacted, but if there's multiple elm trees together, or forest elms, like in adjacent forest property, we tend to see elms exact sawfly on all of the trees. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to know, kind of like to know what to look for in those areas where, you know, Siberian elm is very common and uh, things like that. I feel like this is one of the things that the more we look into that, more counties and more states are going to start reporting it probably. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what's happening. And we're actually using, because when we see them on the landscape trees, they're present in the forest trees, we're actually using urban trees and landscape trees as our sentinel trees um, to tell us, is it in the area? Um, so we don't, you know, spend a lot of time looking for elm trees in the woods. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned your lab, uh, basically, this is one of the topics that you guys are working on. Any, uh, what are kind of like the projects that you're looking at right now in terms of the, um, this insect, I know you mentioned like, you know, uh, insecticides and kind of like management tool, but is there anything else that you guys are looking into? Yeah, yeah. So I have an awesome undergraduate worker he's, who's been going out to those sites every single week, all year. Okay. Um, and she's been monitoring the phenology of Elm Zigzag Sawfly. So basically okay. what stage is it in during what time of year? And the reason for that is this is a really new insect, and this is the furthest south that it's ever been detected. So we don't know that much about it, and understanding its basic biology is essential to an integrated pest management program. But also when we're talking about pesticides, we need to know when to get those chemicals in the tree hmm. so that they are there when Elm Zigzag Sawflight emerges and starts feeding on the tree. So um, Delaney Serpin has been the one out there every week. She's been working really hard and she's actually shifting into a master's program um, awesome. this year, and she will continue that phenology work, but she's also going to be looking at the natural enemies that feed on it. We've already identified one assassin bug that is present, and it's been observed on other sites as well. Um, you know, in addition to other states, it's also been detected in Canada. Canada's even observed this assassin bug. Um, she'll also be looking at, you know, the pesticide efficacy. How long can we um, get that efficacy in the trees? Is something our homeowners um, are going to have to retreat their tree every year, or can we get multiple years um, out of a single treatment? Things like that. Yeah, that's good to know. Good to know. Um, yeah, so basically to start wrapping up, uh, I was interested is there any, uh, you know, ongoing collaboration with neighbor, uh, neighboring states? I imagine they think like it's popping up here and there, but um, I would guess it's something that people are keeping an eye on or how is that kind of like working in, in, in other states? Like, you know, if you look south of the distribution from North Carolina and stuff like that. Yeah, so we have um, a you know region-wide survey going on right now. The U.S. Forest Service is very involved with this. They've been managing the survey one, two, three, and working with their state partners. So people from you know Tennessee, um, North Carolina, all the way up into the northeastern uh, part of the U.S. 
everyone's looking for it and they're using this survey method to actually input um, detections. And we have had multiple new detections through this through this method this year already. Um, we also have a research working group that uh, we have we just started this year. So every few months, um, states that already have Elm Zigzag Softly and states who are just preparing for it um, and you know want to be up to date on the research, we get together and just talk about what we've been observing in the field in each one of our states and what we've been doing research wise. Um, so New York has a research program going on. Ohio, okay. our newest uh, state to have it, they're starting to look into it as well. Um, so we can share our results, share our observations, and each state isn't alone. Each state isn't an island. This is a shared experience. We're all learning from one another. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for, for joining. And I think this is a, a very cool topic. I, I haven't seen that much information out there on these uh, new invasive species. So um, it's good to have an idea of what's going on, you know, what, what different, um, you know, academia and, and state partners are, are doing uh, kind of like to tackle this, this issue. So I appreciate that you joining today. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining to this discussion with Dr. Kelly Odin talking about the Elm Zigzag Softfly and its impact across the eastern United States. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review below. As always, have an awesome week and see you in the next one.